0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Reading from the Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 8, Attaining the Supreme, Text Number 23 onwards. Now, in these verses, Krishna is going to explain the different times of the day during which when a yogi passes away from this world, uh, attains a particular destination. He has already requested, emphasized that all of us should try to become a yogi. Now a particular type of yoga, karma yoga, karma kandi, dhyana yogi, jnana yogi, bhakti yogi. So their destinations are all different. And uh, when somebody is uh, following his particular path, uh, which destination is awaiting him krishna gives a hint text 23 yatra anavrittim prayata kalam o best of the bharatas i shall now explain to you the different times at which passing away from this world the yogi does or does not come back. Now, this knowledge nobody tries to find out. People are just living and one day they die without even trying to find answers to these questions. And therefore, it is very important to first of all study the Bhagavad Gita. It is the ABCD of life, it is the manual for human life. Because unless we know about these subject matters, how will we ever become conscious? How will we ever start thinking about our future, our future life which is in danger if we do not take into consideration all these factors which are explained in the pages of the sacred Bhagavad Gita. At no point we should lose connection with this transcendental knowledge. So now Krishna explains first in text number 24 he attains. He explains the destination of a Jnana Yogi. Agnir Jyotir ahah Shuklaha. Masha uttarayanam tatra prayata gachanti brahma brahma Those who know the supreme Brahman attain that supreme, that means that formless aspect. Jnana yogis mostly are focusing on that. They attain that supreme by passing away from the world during the influence of the fiery god in the light at an auspicious moment of the day during the fortnight of the waxing moon or during the six months when the sun travels in the north which starts from January, mid-Jan. So during that time if a particular yogi is trying to attain the Supreme Brahman, the Brahma Jyoti and he passes away during these timings, uh, these are considered auspicious, then he certainly attains his destination. The second verse talks about a karmkandi, one who is engaged in some kind of... uh, Vedic rituals to transfer himself to the uh, uh, material planets within the material universe with some material goal. Dhoomo ratris tatha krishnaha tatra chandram masam jyotir yogi Nivartate. The mystic who passes away from this world during the smoke, the night, the fortnight of the waning moon But the six months when the sun passes to the south reaches the moon planet but again comes back. So a person who is trying to elevate himself like this at max he will go to the moon planet such a yogi but then he will have to return to this world of misery which is temporary and full of anxiety. He has to come back. If that yogi passes away from this world during this time he will reach the moon planet because he's trying to Elevate himself to such heavenly planets, Karmakandi, but he'll have to return. In text number 26, he summarizes both the paths. According to Vedic opinion, there are two ways of passing from this world one in light and one in darkness. When one passes in light, he does not come back. But when one passes in darkness, he returns. So, anyone who is trying to elevate himself through the process of yoga, he takes into consideration the timing and they are blessed with the ability to leave their body at will. They can choose. So, these two paths have been described. So, they can choose the auspicious path. So, now because the timing of the day really really matters sometimes that's why many times when we want to do something auspicious we look for some auspicious murat oh when should we enter the home we ask our priest when should we get married when should we uh, buy a new car so because there are certain times of the day of the year where if you do these things the benefits are much more compared to regular times so any yogi who is trying to elevate himself, these are the benefits. If he passes during light, he does not come back. If he passes during darkness, he comes back. And now, text number 27, Krishna explains how does a devotee see these two paths? Naite Shriti, Janam. Or how should a devotee look at these? Yogi, Muhyati, Kaschana tasmat sarveshu kaleshu yoga yukto Bhavarjuna. Although the devotees know these two paths O Arjuna, they are never bewildered Therefore be always fixed in devotion He says a devotee knows these two paths but he is not concerned with any of these because his focus is not selfish he is not trying to go to some separate planet to enjoy more or for his personal gratification or to become free from misery his focus is only the devotional service of the Lord and a devotee is not bothered whether he is in heaven or hell or in between somewhere wherever he stays he just wants to serve the Lord so for him it doesn't really matter there was a sage going around meeting different people and giving them different blessings so the sage first met a celibate monk, a brahmachari living in Gurukul under the guidance of his guru. And he gave him the benediction, You immediately die. This is a scary benediction. And then he meets one prince. He gives him the benediction, You never die. One might think he's being partial, right? he's giving this rich prince this kind of benediction. Then he meets a butcher. He gives him the benediction, you either live or die. And then he meets a devotee of the Lord and he gives him the benediction. Sorry, he meets the butcher, he gives the benediction, you neither live nor die. And when he meets the devotee, he blesses him saying, you either live or die. So what is the meaning of these different benedictions? The first person he met, he blessed him, you immediately die when he saw that brahmachari living under the strict guidance of his guru. Because of brahmachari living uh, in the ashram of his guru, he has to practice so many austerities, mind control, sense control, menial service. So because of all these types of penances, he has become so pure. So the sage is thinking, why should he continue to engage in these uh, severe austerities any further? So he should simply... Leave this body because the pleasures of the heavenly planets are waiting for him. So he should rather go and enjoy. So that's why he gave him the benediction. You immediately die. When he met the prince, he gave him the benediction. Uh, You neither live nor see you. You never die. Because a kingly life, a princely life, naturally you have all the opulences, wealth, money, all the facilities for sense enjoyment. So the person naturally gets involved in sinful activity in terms of eating sleeping enjoying and because of that the hellish punishment punishment is waiting for him after he dies so the sadhu blessed him you never die otherwise you will have to face this punishment reaction to all your sinful activities the butcher while he's living he has to live among these dead bodies of animals that he has killed he's selling so that's hellish life and after he dies he will have to suffer forever in the hellish planets for his sinful activity, for giving pain to innocent living entities. So therefore the sadhu gave him the benediction, you you neither live nor die, because both ways you are suffering. And to a devotee he gave the benediction, you either live or die. Because a devotee, when he's living in this world, he's serving Krishna, and when he leaves this world, he continues his service because he transfers himself or he gets transferred to Krishna's kingdom. So whether he is living or he has left this world, he continues doing the same thing. So therefore a devotee, he doesn't care about the path of salvation which Krishna has described in the previous uh, two verses. He simply focuses on devotional service and that is his goal. Wherever he lives, he doesn't have any selfish motive. Wherever the Lord wants to uh, keep him, he is happy serving him. And in the last verse, Krishna now uh, again emphasizes the path of bhakti and glorifies it to the core. He says, a devotee doesn't have to worry. Vedeshu yageshu tapasu caiva daneshu yat phalam pradishtam atyeti tatsarvam midam viditva. Yogi sthanam Namupaiti Chadyam He says, A person who accepts the path of devotional service is not bereft of the results derived from studying the Vedas, performing sacrifices, undergoing austerities, giving charity, or pursuing philosophical and fruitive activities. Simply by performing devotional service, he attains all these And at the end, he reaches the supreme eternal abode. So a devotee does not have to feel that because simply he is engaged in the devotional process of hearing, chantings. Because these processes are so simple, sometimes you might wonder, am I really doing something? I am simply sitting and chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. I am simply reading scriptures or hearing the Bhagavad Gita every day. I am just simply worshipping the Lord in my temple. Or... uh, I am praying to him, remembering him. These are simple activities, but am I really achieving anything? There are people who are studying the Vedas, performing elaborate yagyas, undergoing severe uh, austerities, tapasya, they are fasting, some are giving so much charity, some are studying so much philosophically, some are engaged in so much karmakant, performing so many pujas, rituals. Am I uh, denying myself the results of... Uh, Uh, these activities or these seem to be superior no Krishna says anyone who engages in devotional service of the Lord automatically is blessed with the results of all these other activities and much much more simply by engaging in the Lord's devotional service and in the end he is also blessed with the supreme destination the eternal abode of Krishna which the followers of other path are not guaranteed at all only a Bhakta through Bhakti can attain Krishna. There's no other way, no other way, no other way than the devotional service. Again and again and again, Krishna emphasizes this point And we have to understand, if we have to connect with Him, if we have to reach Him, reach His abode, we have to do it on His terms, not on the basis of what we feel and think is right or what the majority is saying. This is the way, this is the path to the supreme destination, the bhakti path. And that's why this uh, uh, chapter is aptly named as Attaining the Supreme. And it very much depends on what we do throughout our life. Uh, that will be remembered at the last moment. And what we remember at the last moment is what we shall be blessed with when we leave this world. Yes, Living in this world is important but how we leave this world is even more important. How we leave will decide whether our human life has truly been a success or a failure. If we simply leave our life if we simply leave this world after having uh, eaten well slept well, earned money and just enjoyed then we have really failed. Because that's what we'll remember at the end. So in what consciousness we leave this world is what decides whether uh, our human life has been a success. Ante Narayana Smriti If we are able to remember the Lord that's how we leave this world then our life is a success. Otherwise uh, it is simply living like animals because they also get a different destination and after humans Uh, Have also lived like that, they are also given a different destination. Then, what is the difference between them and the animals? So, we have simply been a failure in human life to earn money, wealth, fame, followers. It's not the goal of life, it is not the success of human life. Uh, Success is how we leave this world in divine consciousness. That is the examination, life is the preparation. And we must start preparing from now only. The art of living, the Gita teaches. But the Gita also teaches us the art of living. And that is more important. That's what defines or decides the success of human life. So thank you very much. It's such a beautiful chapter. And uh, please keep hearing it again and again. And not just hearing. There are three ways of learning. One is Shravanam or hearing which you are doing. Second is Mananam. Mananam means whatever you hear, you can make notes so that you can revise that or in your mind only you can just revisit the points or when you are hearing you can note down the points and revisit what you have heard. And another aspect of Mananam is to discuss it with somebody else. You can discuss with your friends, family. That way you will then never forget what you have heard. If you don't revise or discuss, contemplate what you have heard you will forget it within like one day or two days then there's no point this is the second aspect you discuss it with others so that they can also be benefited and you can contemplate revisit those points revise and third is application whatever you are hearing apply it in your life and when you apply you get realizations yes it truly works and when it does happen your faith will continue to grow so if you don't contemplate and apply what you hear, your faith will not grow. So do shravanam hearing, do mananam, contemplation and then application. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.